morning, everybody. Our passage today is from Exodus chapter 2. Yeah. It's going to be verses 11 through 25. One day, after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people were, and he watched them hard at their labor. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. And looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian, and he hit him in the sand. And the next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting. And he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? And the man said, who made you the ruler and judge over us? What, are you thinking of killing me like you killed the Egyptian? And then Moses was afraid and he thought, what I did when I killed the Egyptian man must have become known to everybody. And so when Pharaoh heard of this, he tried to kill Moses. But Moses fled and ran away from Pharaoh and went to live in a land called Midian, where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. And some shepherds came along and drove them away. But Moses got up and came to their rescue. He rescued the girls and let them water their flock. And when the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked them, Wait, why are you back so early today? And they answered, Well, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds, and he even drew water for us and watered our flock. And Ruel asked his daughters, Well, where is he then? Why would you just leave him there? Go and invite him to have something to eat with us. And Moses agreed to stay with the man, and he ended up giving his daughter Zipporah to Moses in marriage. And Zipporah gave birth to a son, and Moses named him Gershom, saying, I have become a foreigner in a foreign land. And during that long period, the king of Egypt actually died. And the Israelites groaned in their slavery and they cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. So God looked on the Israelites and he was concerned about them. So we have a declaration from this scripture that I just want to share. And here it is, if we can all read it together, I think we'll have it up on the slide. Lord, we we honor honor your your word to us. us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. Amen. Thank you, Jacob. And now I want you to leave. You're younger, you're handsomer. You're taller. You're doing a great job. Thank you so much. And let's hear it for Jacob. Isn't it wonderful to have a great young man and uh, he and his wife here together? Yes, teenagers, go with Jacob. Go with Jacob. And uh, enjoy your class back there in the back. And thanks, Jacob. I appreciate you. And I'm excited because the opportunity is going to be coming up in the next few weeks that we're going to hear Jacob, not just reading the scriptures, but sharing from God's word. And we're excited uh, to give him that opportunity and to hear from a young man who is just really doing a great job with our teenagers. All right, let's go ahead and check out this uh, video as we enjoy uh, this little intro, okay? You in our time together around Moses, the prince of Egypt. And 
I just want to encourage you, please continue to come because honestly, this is where we begin kind of picking up steam. This particular Sunday, I'm really looking forward to sharing this passage of scripture because I've kind of hinted around where we're heading and today we're going to be kind of beginning to get there and then after this day, today we've laid a little bit of the foundation and we're going to see some of the things in the next few weeks. I'm very excited next week to be preaching about uh, Moses hearing from the burning bush, just an iconic time uh, in the Old Testament scriptures. But here's where we've been, just very quickly. We talked about the origin story of a nation. We talked about uh, the Jewish boy being the prince of Egypt. And then today we're going to be talking uh, from a message entitled, God's Will, My Way. And if you want to go a little deeper, if you'd like to kind of do some things for yourself uh, as you go a little deeper and learn some of the lessons, you can do that as you read from Great Lives from God's Word, the series that is written by Chuck Swindoll. I've preached through, and this is kind of my habit, uh, we have each and every uh, summer, I've been just sharing with you from the different people from the Old Testament mostly, people like Esther, people like Joseph, people like David, and then uh, Elijah, as well as this year, talking about Moses and the life that he lives. And you can kind of see there's a, a few books that you can look at. You can even get this via audiobook if you're into Audible or if you're into those things that you can get from the library. So I believe that's on the next slide, but I'm not positive. There it is right there. And you can see some of the different books that are available. And it is always very interesting because I've always felt that anytime you look at a Bible character, you just see so much that you can identify with. And let me be very, very clear. One of the things that I love the most about the Bible characters is, is the Bible never pretends that the Bible characters were perfect people. I'm going to say that one more time. The Bible never pretends that the Bible characters and even the biblical heroes were perfect people. And for me personally, I don't know about you, but it is good news for me personally to know that we can still do something in the work of God, and we can still see something amazing happening in our own personal worlds with God's help, even though we're not perfect people. Let's go to our next slide, and I'm going to just share with you. This is Faith in Action from Hebrews chapter 11. This is where uh, the Bible tells us that uh, Moses' mother saved his life by simply getting him in a basket and getting him into the Nile River. And then he was raised by the, the princess, the Pharaoh's daughter there. And so he literally is a prince of Egypt, just like the cartoon says. But then we see today that he makes a very, very important decision and very dramatic distinction. Now, here's what he does. He is a man with two countries, so to speak. He has ties, and he is a young man who was born into a Jewish family. But he also has been raised and educated in the court of the king, the Pharaoh. And so in many ways, he is a man with two countries. And probably, if you can identify with this a little bit, it's sometimes you almost feel like you're a man without a country if you've got two. Can I get an amen? I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's almost like you don't quite fit in one country that you used to live in, and now you don't quite fit perfectly in the country that you live in at the present day. And I'm sure some of our folks, you kind of identify with that. Well, the truth is, is that this is where Moses makes a huge dividing line in his life. 
He sees, as Jacob just read a moment ago, he sees a man that is being beaten, a Hebrew slave who is being beaten by one of the Jew, uh, pardon me, the Egyptian oppressors. And in the process of that, there's something that rises up within him and he says, this isn't right, this isn't fair, I'm going to intervene. But I want you to just know something here. He intervenes, but it's not in a positive way. We're going to go a little deeper on the way that he intervenes and the way that he does God's will, but he does it my way. Now, I'm going to hit pause. How many of you in here have ever said, I really want to know God's will? Can I get an amen? We've, we've all said that, right? We want to know God's will for our life. But let me ask you to be maybe even a little bit more honest. Have you ever discerned something was God's will, but you tackled it and you knew that you were doing it your way and not God's way. Can I see a hand or two or 25 or 35, right? Like we've all been there, right? I I promise you I've been there because we want to see God's will done, but in the process, the easiest thing for us to do is to roll up our sleeves and get this job done rather than waiting on God. How many of you know you never, ever, ever want to pray for patience? Can I get an amen, right? You never want to have that prayer prayed because God will answer it every single time, okay? And so the truth is, is that as Moses feels a pull towards being a deliverer, and this is something that Chuck Swindoll uh, speaks about in his book, and if you read that book, you'll see, I also believe that. I also believe that if you look at Acts chapter 7, whenever Stephen is preaching the, uh, the sermon that he preaches just before he is stoned to death, he speaks about Moses and the, the way that God used him. And he speaks about it in such a way that makes me believe that Moses could feel God's pull towards being a deliverer and a leader, but he rolled up his sleeves and said, I'm, I feel this, so I'm going to get it done, and I know how I can do it. Not, I'm going to wait and see how God does it, but I'm going to roll up my sleeves and I'm going to do it. And there's a big difference because God's will done my way is a disaster. God's will done God's way is a rip-roaring, eternal consequence kind of success. And there is a huge difference in those two. And so I want to encourage you today as we talk a little bit about God's will, my way, I'll just tell you that there will be a sermon in the next few weeks called God's will, God's way. (laughs) Because the truth is, is that if you've ever done God's will, my way, you know that in that moment, you probably tell yourself, I'm never doing it this way again. Because when we do experience that doing God's will, my way, we realize It's usually just a disaster waiting to happen. So as we share today, we want to make sure that we don't miss this. And I want to share this with you. When Moses killed the Egyptian, he committed a first-degree murder. Uh, It was not a moment of passion. It was second, that would, something that you would call second degree, but it was a murder when he had moments to grasp the wrong that he is about to do. Now, you guys with me? You guys understand? How many of you know that there's a difference between first-degree murder and second-degree murder? Y'all have been watching shows like I have, right? You know the, 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 the difference between a major surgery and a minor surgery? Y'all know what that is? A major surgery is anything that happens to me. A minor surgery is something that's happening to you, right? Okay, there is the distinction here, okay? Well, in a first degree and a second degree murder, a first degree murder means I've planned it out. 
I've planned it out. I've planned not only how I'm going to do it, but probably how I'm going to get away or who I'm going to blame. A second-degree murder means we start fighting, for example, we start fighting, things escalate, and I lose my cool, and I kill you in that way, okay? I'm your preacher. I'm not going to kill anybody, all right? But you understand. That's the difference between a first-degree and a second-degree murder. And you may hear me saying this about a first-degree murder and say, I don't know about that, Randy. That seems like you're maybe reaching a little bit, maybe going a little far, trying to make Moses seem a little bit more identifiable. No, I'm telling you, I want you to read this passage of Scripture. I want to go back and read the passage that Jacob just read a moment ago, but you'll see it on the screen, and you'll even see what I'm talking about, that it was premeditated, that he had moments where he could have turned away, but he chose not to. Let's go to our next slide. So this is what we were talking about from Exodus chapter 2, verse 11 and 12. It says, one day after Moses had grown up, he went out to where his own people, that's where he's identifying, right? He's identifying himself with his people, not the Egyptian people. He watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. But then this is where it becomes first-degree murder. You guys already see it? He's looking this way and that way to make sure that nobody's watching. And when he realizes that he thinks he can get away with it, he kills the man and hit him in the sand. Do you guys see how it's not second-degree murder, not a fit of passion, but it is a premeditated act? Now, I'm not trying to make Moses seem more identifiable. This is just what the Bible says and what is clearly teaching. So I want to go to our next slide here, and this is our something to learn. Moses is a man who struggles with anger all of his life. It rears its head for the first time in this first-degree murder that he commits, and it returns at other times with Pharaoh when he's declaring the plagues to be coming. It returns when it's the golden calf, and it even ends up keeping him out of the promised land when God says, speak to the rock, and he's so angry with the, Jew the Jewish people that he takes the staff and he hits the rock, and everybody goes, ooh, Moses is powerful, when they were supposed to be saying, wow, God is powerful. And there's a big difference. Do you guys understand? And so Moses' anger is something that he deals with all of his life. This is the thing that Moses has to deal with and overcome in his life. Now, let's go to our next slide. And I just want to share this with you. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Now listen here. Listen here. I believe with all of my heart that I'm talking to everybody here today, and it applies to you, and it begins right here behind the pulpit. Here's something that I know. We all got a thing. We've all got something. We've all got a thing that we've got to win against or it will control us and have its hooks in us all of our life. Now, I don't know what your thing is. I know what my thing is. And I'm not telling you what my thing is. And you don't have to tell me what your thing is. But here's what I know. You got a thing. Just like Moses' thing was his anger, and he never fully got control over it. He got a little bit of control at different times, but it never really got conquered in his life. 
And I want to just share with you that sin that so easily entangles. You can take it two different ways. The sin, the, gra- you know, the, the grand scheme and sin that affects everybody. But I take it a different way. I believe it to be instead that one particular sin that you struggle with and it easily entangles you. You can go away from this thing. It's not really a big deal. I'm not really into greed, but I'm into the pleasure thing. Or I'm not really into the pleasure thing, but I'm into the control thing. Or I'm not really into this thing, but I'm into that thing instead. It's that one thing that so easily entangles. And so I'm here to tell you not trying to be clever or anything like that, but this is the opportunity that we look at Moses and we go, man, he's got a thing. And he needs to get control of that thing or that thing will control him. And two things I've seen, that everybody has a thing and everybody faces something big in their life, usually by midlife, about 35 to 45. And guess what? Moses is right about 40 years old and he's facing the dividing line of when his life changes dramatically. Are you guys with me? Now, I used to think that all I had to do was plan out things, work that plan, pray, and let God lead. But I figured out something, that sometimes in our lives, we can do nothing to prevent a certain trial that comes upon us. I'm going to tell you, I, I personally have dealt with some trials in my, in, in my lifetime, but there was one hugely important trial that I faced when it felt like everything in my life was just crumbling down. And I don't know when that happened for you, but I have a feeling that for most of you, that did happen. It could have been something that you were told by a doctor. It could have been something that you were told by a spouse or a family member. It could have been something that happened to you, a job that you lost when you thought you were there for the rest of your life. I don't know what it was, but I have a feeling that if you are a little older than about 35 to 45, you know exactly that one thing that you have to deal with, as well as that one thing that you had to face. Tell me I'm not all alone up here. Can I get an amen? Right? You know what I'm talking about. Oh my... Am I just meddling now? Is that what it is? Y'all are looking at me like, Randy, I don't like you right now. You're a little too close to home. Well, here's the truth. This is true for all of us. This is true for Moses. He's a hero of the faith, and he does not escape what you and I also probably have either gone through or going through. And if you're one of the young ones here today, it's still coming. And you think you got life by the tail, and you got it all figured out. But sometimes planning and preparation and prayer are still not enough to prevent you from going through that valley. Let's go to our next slide here. Yeah, this is so true. Every family has secrets until a Sunday school teacher asks a group of kids if they have any prayer requests. Can I get an amen on that? Oh my goodness, it is so true. So we come today, I thought y'all might like that one. I can't be funny, so I got to put up an image that's funny, right? All right, so here we go. Here is what we see in our big idea. Following God's plan for your life requires both patience and preparation. Following God's plan for your life requires both patience and preparation. I want to go to this next slide as we kind of move forward. And there are three parts to success. There are three parts to success. And by the way, if you look at that slide and say, Randy, there's only two parts that you have listed. 
I understand. I understand. Focus with me. Stay with me. There are three kinds of people in this world, those who can count and those who cannot. <sighs> All right, come on now. All right, think about it. Here's what I know. We're going to get to the third part in just a second. We're going to get to the third part. There's competence, what you can do, and there's confidence, knowing that you can do it, having the desire to attack it. And these are the things that will get you through in most times of your life. But if you're going to be a spiritual person who leads, a spiritual leader, there's one more thing. And it's the next slide. You have to have dependence on God. Focus with me for just a quick second and remember who we're dealing with. We're talking about Moses here. The man has literally got the best education available in all of the ancient world. He's a man who has charisma, he has confidence, he has competence, he can lead, but somehow it doesn't work out. It's because he's not ready, because he thinks he's ready. You guys understand what I'm saying? Here's what he's going through his mind. Oh, God's putting something on my heart. I'm going to do God's will. And the best way for me to do it is to show them whose side I'm on. So I'm going to go kill that Egyptian and show them that I stand with them. So he does God's will, but he does it in his timing and his way. And it falls flat. God said, no, 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 no. There's something that you have to develop, something that you have to become that is different than who you are right now. It's not just that you're competent. Moses, you're competent. You know what you're doing. It's not just that you're confident. Moses, you're very confident. There's nobody got more confidence in the world than you, but there is zero dependence on God and waiting on him. So if you ever are trying to make a change and spiritually do something different in your world, and let's be clear, what I'm talking about here is not the world. I'm talking about your world, your, your close family, your close friends, your job situation, these things that you can make a difference in, your close community, your church, all of those things don't just require competence and confidence. They require dependence on the God who called you to do something in the very first place. So let's keep moving here. And I want to kind of talk a little bit about Moses's mindset. This is Acts chapter seven from that Stephen message that I shared with you. It said that Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, powerful in speech and in action, confidence and competence right there. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites, and he saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian. So he went to his defense and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. And then the next slide says, Moses thought that his own people would realize that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day, Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you're brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? And then the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? So when Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. In other words, Moses thought he could do God's will and do it his way, and it didn't work out in that way at all. Something to learn one more time. 
It's likely that God was instilling something in the heart of Moses to lead the Hebrews out of that Egyptian bondage. But Moses' actions in Exodus 2 clearly show that he was running ahead of God's plans. He was doing God's will his way. And he's not the first. And maybe you can't really see quite as well, but you see Abraham right there. Y'all remember? Abraham was promised that he would have a son and then his wife Sarah just would not get pregnant. And so he decided that he'd figure out a way of getting it done and do his, God's will, but do it his way. And so he, he said, well, you know, in our culture, it's okay for you to give me your, your, your servant and she can be kind of like a, a, a surrogate mother. We'll just do it that way. But that's not actually what happened. You know, that's not what God had planned. God had planned and said, Sarah is going to be the one who gives you a son. She will give you a child of promise and I will get the glory from it. But he had waited probably at least 14 years and it hadn't happened. So he said, I'm going to do God's will and I'm going to do it. Y'all know what I'm about to say, right? My way. But what about David when he asks to do something for God? I want to share a couple of those things. There is a man, David, who is very different than Moses. Moses was a man who people think is perfect, but he's very different than us. No, no, no. Moses was a man who had some of the same kind of issues that we do. And in the process of it all, we see him and we can learn from them. But we can also see where he failed and others succeeded and how they do that. Let's go to our next slide. Even if we have a God-given passion, we must still wait on God to reveal to us how to do his will, his way. We can't dismiss the when, the how, or the why, because who receives the glory is at stake. In other words, in other words, if you're doing some of the things that you are thinking, this is great, this is positive, but you're doing them so you might be seen, don't be surprised if God just takes his hands off and says, no, no. I'm not going to be a part of that. The why matters. How many of y'all know that the why matters? It does, right? It really does. All right, so let's keep moving here. Chuck Swindoll says this quote, through all my years of studying biblical characters, I have not encountered a single episode of instant effectiveness for God. And in my own experience spanning more than 35 years of ministry, I cannot recall one believer who simply lifted off the runway and soared into the spiritual stratosphere, staying there until death. In other words, you're probably going to deal with a setback. And when you do, that dependence on God is going to be everything in your life. Let's keep moving. When God desires to do something through you, he almost always begins by doing something in you. That means refining you, humbling you, and revealing issues. And now we come back to that thing, that, that thing that still has its hooks in you, that still has a way of controlling you. And we see in Moses, it's happening for him, it will happen for us as well. But there is a way to do God's will and to do it God's way. Let's look at David. And I don't know if you guys remember, but maybe you can per perfectly identify with what I'm about to say. But in this passage of scripture from 1 Samuel chapter 24, there is a, an incredible... <laughs> yeah, the, the scriptures are just not playing games. They're just putting it out there. Exactly what's happening is exactly what they're saying. And so... This is happening as David has already been anointed as king over Israel, but is yet to be given the throne. In other words, he's waiting 
for God's will to be done in God's way, not rolling up his sleeves. But this is powerful. And I want you to make sure to notice this. And here's where it just gets raw and real. A cave was there, and Saul, the current king of Israel, went in to relieve himself. I mean, you know, no bathrooms or anything. And it's just as raw as it can be. And there is Saul at an incredibly vulnerable moment. And David and his men were in the back of the cave. And Saul's in the front, but being given privacy. You guys get the picture? Y'all see the picture? Okay. So one of the men said to David, this is it. I'm going to do the New Texas version, y'all. Listen up. (laughs) This is it. God promised you a long time ago that you'd be king of Israel. And today is the day that he gives your enemy into your hand to do with whatever you want. That's basically what is being said right here. And then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of his robe but just as easily could have cut off his head. You guys with me? But he did not want to do God's will his own way. And so he later calls out to Saul and says, hey, my king, I want you to know that I could have taken your life. God gave you into my hand, but I will not do the right thing the wrong way way. I'm going to say that one more time. I will not do the right thing and do it in the wrong way. And I want you to notice again how there are people that are saying, hey, hey, the ends justify what? The means. And David said, I'm not doing the, wrong, uh, the right thing in the wrong way. This is the difference between Moses in that moment, and David in that moment. But I want to be very clear. Let's go to our next slide. This is a perfect example of how you can want to do something, but it not be God's will for your life. After David was settled in his palace, he said to Nathan the prophet, here I am living in a house of cedar while the ark of the covenant of the Lord is under a tent. And Nathan replies to David, but whatever you have in mind, do it because God is with you. But then that night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan and said, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says, you were not the one to build me a house to dwell in. And then all the way down to verse 11. So when your days are over and you, David, go to be with your ancestors, I'm going to raise up your offspring to succeed you, one of your own sons, and I'm going to establish his kingdom. And how am I going to do it? I'm going to let him build a temple that will be famous the world over And I will get the glory and I will gain the glory and I will establish your son as an incredible ruler in Israel because you are going to wait. It was good that you wanted to do this, but we're not going that way. We're going to do my will and we're going to do it my way. He's the one who's going to build that house for me. I'm going to establish his throne forever. Let's keep moving here. This is so vital. This is so vital. I talked about how following God's plan for your life requires both patience and preparation. In other words, if you're not learning and growing in the Lord each and every day, then all you're doing is wasting time. 
Do you guys understand what I'm saying? If you're not paying attention to what God is teaching you each and every day, if you're not in his word and learning, if you're not learning more dependence upon him, when the time comes and you want to do God's will and you even want to do it his way, you're not prepared to do it because you've had years months, whatever it might be, to be ready, but you chose to just instead wait and not be actively engaged with what God is trying to do in your life. Now, I could go on and on for probably 25, 30 minutes on that, but if you guys will raise your hand because you know exactly what I'm saying, I'll keep moving. Oh, some of y'all want me to keep going? Is that what's going on here? I didn't think so. But listen to what Matthew Henry said way back, way, way back. He said, Moses loved to be doing good. Wherever the providence of God casts us, we should desire and endeavor to be useful. And listen to this. Listen closely to this line. And when we cannot do the good, we would. We must be ready to do the good we can. And he that is faithful with a little will be entrusted with more. When you can't do the good you wish you could do, then at least do the good that you have available for you to do. Now I'm going to get real personal. Now I'm going to make you mad a little bit. Because for most of us, we've got exactly what we want to do and how we want to do it. And we're going to do it our way or we won't do it or anything else at all. Or or is that just me? (laughs) Is that just me? No, we all have that tendency. Well, if I can't do that, then I'm not going to do something else. And isn't it interesting how we all want oftentimes the things that God doesn't necessarily want for us, how we're not always guided and shaped and moved and experienced and educated and confident and competent in these certain areas, but we know what we want. And yet at the same time, God has something very different planned and How many of you guys have figured out that whatever God has planned for you, he has designed you to do it, and you are going to feel like, "Mm, man, I was born for this. This is what I was made to do. But you will never experience that if it's got to be your way and got to be on your terms, because the only way for us to do God's will is God's way, not our own. Amen? Very quickly, interestingly, Moses, pretty quickly after failing to be a deliverer, engages in being a deliverer, but on a much, much, much smaller scale. A much smaller scale. I want us to go to the next slide. Now, a priest of Midian had seven daughters. They came to draw water and fill the troughs to water their father's flock. And some shepherds came along, drove them away. But Moses got up, came to their rescue. And then after he came to their rescue, let him come back to the well. He went ahead and watered the flock. You see, Moses was a deliverer in this moment. But it wasn't this grand, well-known, well-seen. It was just on a very, very small scale. But it was God's will, God's way. Now, again, I'm going to get personal. For most of us, we're willing to do something where the appreciation is high, where the recognition is there, and the things that we like to do are the things that we get to do. 
But the truth of the matter is, is that most of the time, especially at the very beginning, the work of God is done in obscurity and it is difficult and the results are not all that you hope for. And in the midst of all of it, you might not ever hear the word thank you or that was great or I appreciate that for sometimes weeks, maybe months or even, God forbid, but it sometimes happens even years. And so if you are doing God's will, but doing it your way, you will quit. Because you're doing it for you, not for the Lord. But the truth of the matter is, is that if we will say, you know what? I was built to do what you have created me to do. And no matter what that looks like, that's what I will do. I will put my whole heart into serving in the very best way that I can. I'm going to be as prepared as I possibly can be. I'm going to do the very best job that I can do. And in everything that I can do, I'll give my all. And everything that I can't do, I won't worry about it. And instead of doing it my way, I will do it your way. For your cause, for your kingdom, and for your glory. Because that's what it's supposed to be about. Moses changes dramatically. This is a dividing line. He goes from being kind of a taker to being a giver. And it shifts everything in his life and everything begins to change. So I'm bringing this to a close. Here's a big question for you and for me. Actually, it's two big questions. Do you know God's plan for your life? And then secondly, are you engaging both in patience and preparation? I've shared a lot of application and I don't want to keep going, but I want to share with you one more time that you and I, we will have moments that test us and try us and strain us to the breaking point. If you haven't already, you will. If you have already, you know that it might come again. But here is the question, are you going to have patience that God is in control and will you be prepared before it happens because God has been working and preparing in you and you've been humbly submitting to his will in your life? Here's the I apply by. Watch for God's preparation. That's experience, gifts, burden, and that last one there that I put in that parentheses is growth. And folks, it's not really hard. <laughs> it's not really difficult to know what spiritual growth is. It's time in prayer. It's time in God's word. It's time serving other people. It's watching for God's hand in the every single day activities and trials and difficulties of your life. Seeing where God's moving even in the midst of the things that seem like they're totally worldly and not at all sacred. But God is there. And if you can find his movements, you begin to learn lessons every single day. But the question is, will you continue to grow or will you just simply pass time? And there's a big difference. And you participate with that growth. You will be ready for use of God, by God for his purposes. And that is a dramatic thing that changes in our life. Now, I just want to share with you a quick movie as we draw to a close. So let's go to our next slide. So I just simply want to pray for you as we end our time together. 
but also give you a challenge, and that is, is that this is your opportunity. I, I had a woman tell me one time, I knew that God was preparing me for something. I knew it, and I did not submit. And here I am in the midst of this trial and this difficulty, and in the midst of it all, I find myself unable to stand up underneath it. I think that God is faithful and that God reveals in our hearts that he is going to do something in our life, whether that's for someone or that we're about to go through a trial. I would encourage you, pay attention to that, accept that and submit to that and allow the Lord to prepare you for the difficulty that you might be facing because you just never know what might happen. And in the process of it all, remember that anytime we are called to do God's will, that we are always called not just to do his will, but always to do it his way. Heavenly Father, may you be glorified in your people. And may we, your people, not be people who know that there are difficulties and know that there are trials and know that there is a need for a change in our own part of the world without being involved and getting in and seeing your will accomplished in the lives of the people that we care about and the, 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 the community that we care about. And in the midst of it all, dear Lord, I pray that you would be glorified more than anything else, that people would see the things that are happening in our lives and they would say, clearly God's at work. And in that way, Lord, that you would take priority and that you would take preeminence and, and precedent over everything else that is happening. And that God, in the midst of it all, you would draw people to yourself. You alone are the one who changes lives. We cannot. Lord, we want your fingerprints and our partnership, the things that are going on in our world. And so, Lord, please bless, prepare, Give us patience, and in the midst of it all, may we rest in you knowing that you are God and your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said together, amen.